welcome back to Pick a Little, Talk a Little, the musical theater podcast where we talk about musical theater. And this time we are continuing for this, our 20th episode with our conversation, yay, yay of the quintessential Woo. American Jewish musical in an American Jewish art form, Fiddler on the Roof. I, as always, am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. Joining me again is my brother. What's your name? Izzy When we last left our heroes, they were recovering from a wedding pogrom. And it is yeah, um, now If you want to know more about the first act of Filler on the Roof, please listen to episode 19 of Pick a Little, Talk a Little. Uh, it's two months later, and Tevya shows up talking to God as he is wont to do. And he just sums us up. And he's um, like, everyone's fine, except my horse. Muttle wants his sewing machine. So... Next scene, uh, Perchik and Huddle are speaking, and Perchik is informing Huddle that he has to go to do vague political things. Um, and before he goes, he has a political question for her. The political question is if she'll marry him. It's very cute. Um, and then he sings the often overlooked song, Now I Have Everything, which I think is a lovely song. Overlooked, because it's not in the movie. That, that is a big part of it, but I think that's causation and correlation i think they found it expendable in terms of cutting it from the movie look i must say though one reason why i think it's a little expendable is that unlike miracle of miracles it's not as grounded in who project is as a character it's kind of a generic love song so i get why they cut it out it's nice um, but it doesn't it doesn't say so much about it but it says something and if you superimpose what we know about him the fact that he sees his life about from this weirdly utilitarian lens which might not read as marxist as it's supposed to in fact you could read it the opposite way um the fact that he sees huddle as fitting in with it i think is very nice yeah that's fair so, so anyway, he's gonna go start a revolution so and he, he stops to tell tevya that he is going to marry huddle and by going to marry i know this is going to sound shocking he doesn't mean he's going to ask permission. No, but he's oh. asking for his blessing. He's asking for his blessing, but not his permission, he says very explicitly. And so Tevye gets another literally show-stopping because everyone else stops moving, and he gets to have a monologue, a really dialogue with himself about the world changing and whether or not he can accept not having the power to determine who his daughter marries. But, of course, in classic Fiddler on the Roof fashion, he says, you have my blessing and my permission. No, it is. It is. It is. Also, uh, Perchik and Huddle go off to say goodbye, and Tevya realizes he can't have another dream with Golda, so he comes forward and just tells her. I mean, the the scene is played with humor, but he tells her that he's given Perchik and Huddle permission to get married, and she's upset, and he says, "Listen." I'm going to have to read a couple lines from the libretto verbatim because I think it's important. Go for it. Um, He's a good man, Golda. I like him. He's a little crazy, but I like him. And what's more important, Huddle likes him. Huddle loves him. So what can we do? It's a new world, a new world love. And then we get, uh, this might be one of my favorite songs in the show. Do you love me? I was going to be like, do I what? But I was like, we're siblings and that would make it weird. (laughs) Okay, okay. never mind. So, So speaking of songs that are overused but brilliant first of all it is so weird that this is Golda's only song yes okay so basically do you love me the premise is that Tevya and Golda themselves uh had an arranged marriage 
And so for the first time, he's sort of thinking about love, and he's like, do, we, do, you, do you love me? And at first, she, like, brushes him off. And then in, like, kind of a beautiful, once again, schmaltzy as all heck, she admits that, like, you know what, after 25 years of living together, I guess that's, that's, that's kind of love, right? Like, what, what else is love other than that? Right. Is, uh-huh. is building a life together and suffering together and working really hard together. Right. And it's like, it's like a little bit like, is it making fun of them for like being like, yeah, I guess that's what love is. Or well, is no, it sort of earnestly mm, saying like, It starts no, that you know way. And by the end of the song, it feels like the most romantic thing is, is yeah. the miracle of the uh-huh. song is there's no kiss. There's no embraces that there's this sort of sitting next to each other on a bench saying, I suppose I love you. I suppose I love you too. It doesn't change a thing, but even so, after 25 years, it's nice to know. That was me channeling Elliot Kalen. Anyway. It's beautiful. So, meanwhile, a bunch of other plot stuff happens. Well, uh, uh, we have another song immediately. Yes. Uh, it's a bad song, though. All right, you know what? I don't like every song in this musical, and I don't particularly care for this next song. It is called uh, The Rumor. It is a dumb, overplayed joke where the premise is a rumor spreads and each person sings it and it keeps changing. At first, it's like, I hear Portrait's been arrested and has been exiled to Siberia, which in fact did happen. Then someone's like, I hear Tevye has been exiled to Siberia and Golda went after him. It's silly. So, so, and that's the thing, is it's a way of letting us know what's happening and moving the plot in an interesting exposition thing. But at this point, it kind of slows down the show. I am invested enough in the show and the characters and the wheels are turning enough that the way the movie does it where it's just sort of cuts to huddle at the train station more or less telling Tevya what's going on is is enough for me in some productions the rumor has been replaced with the song topsy-turvy which is also not interesting not the not the hunchback of notre dame topsy-turvy song which is a superior song right skip the rumor it's not that interesting now we have another great song uh, which is Far From the Home I Love. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So, so here's, my, here's my almost critique of Far From the Home I Love. The musical does okay. a very good job at character voices, and because this is the one sort of, like, solo female soprano number, the language she uses gets a little bit more poetic than maybe is fitting for Huddle as a character. Like, oh, what yeah. a melancholy choice this is, but I, now that I have said that, I don't care. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. She says she's going to Siberia to join Perchik in his exile, but she still miss, she will love and miss her family. Very nice. That's that. Dear Sweet Sewing Machine is a very cute cut song. Right. Flash forward a little bit of time. Speaking of the sewing machine, Mutzel has Perchik's sewing machine. And in another funny gag, um, everyone, like, you think that him and Seidel have a baby because everyone's like looking like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's a sewing machine, but they also have a baby, so it's cool. Oh, yeah, they're like, also, by the way, we have this baby. And we're like, oh, great. And also, there is a blessing for the sewing machine. We don't know what it is. The rabbi kind of mutters it. Right. There, by the way, running gag, people keep asking the rabbi, is there a blessing for X? For example, is there a blessing for the czar? If the gods bless and keep the czar far away from us. That was my line in the show, so I get to say it. There we go. So while all this is going on, we see Chava and Fiedka together again, and it turns out they've been building a secret relationship, and uh, Fiedka's like, all right, I'll speak to your father, and Chava says, no, I'll speak to him. And there's a very terse scene in which she tries to tell Tevya what's going on, and he refuses to hear it and pretends that she's not telling him and and tells her never to speak to Fiedka again. 
Uh, yeah. When This is when he tells her, a bird may love a fish, but where would they build a home together? Yes. And I can't talk all about Forbidden Broadway, but all I can think of is like, a Jewish girl may love a Chelsea boy, but where would they buy real estate together? By the way, the famous, um, the famous theater critic Michael Rydell um, called the 2004 Alfred Molina production of Fiddler on the Roof an ethnically cleansed Fiddler on the Roof, and the director <laughs> punched him in the face. It's a legendary story. I encourage yeah. everyone to look into it. Okay, so then she comes back immediately, well, basically. So, no, so then what happens is um, the next scene, Golda approaches Tevya and says... Chava went missing, and I found out what happened. Uh, she and Fiedka got married. And, okay, this is the kind of thing where I want to know Golda's story, because Golda says, she left home this morning with Fiedka. I looked all over for her. I even went to the priest. The fact that a local Jewish woman is going to the priest shows how desperate she is, and also what was it that brought her to the point where after a whole day of looking, she realized that it was what she had to do was talk to him. Uh, we never know because instead we get Tevya. Tevya sends Golda home upon hearing the news and says, Chava's dead to us. We will forget her, which is, uh, way harsh is all I will say. Um, and Tevya sings Chavale, which is, uh, a song that I weirdly often forget exists. Maybe because it has sort of the least ability to use it out of context. Um, yes. And, and the song is often done as a ballet while he watches his daughters in his mind's eye depart with their respective partners, uh, which yes. is maybe an interesting choice that's supposed to make it not about the specific problem and more about him dealing with the fact that he's aging and losing his identity as a father. Yeah. Anyway, um, so then also she comes back Kabbalah and then... is everybody's favorite child, which I'm like, mm. Well, duh, because she's the third child. She's, and I'm... Um, actually, the she's third the third child out of five. So she's technically the middle child. Right, but she's really the third, and like the other two are basically non-actors. So it's, yeah, we all know what's going on here. But this, the song ends and Chava the, appeared in the, person, and she, and, and so, okay, remember, first daughter asked for permission. Second daughter asked for blessing. Third daughter begs for acceptance. Right, and he this time says, he gets his... On the one hand, on the other hand, monologue, and then says, nope, and refuses to talk to her. And then the tradition, tra- tradition, tradition comes back in, but it's this, like, loud, overpowering, like, chant this time. As Chava is left yeah. on stage sort of screaming after her father, and he, like, is walking away. And also, yes. like, in a lot of productions, like, a scrim lowers over her as she's, like, being separated from the community and from the, her family. Mm-hmm. Larger issues aside, it's a very powerful, upsetting moment. 100%. Uh, Yenta tries to arrange for Sprinza and Bielka to be betrothed to oh, right. guys for when they're older. And the interesting thing about it is, as much of a Yenta Yenta is, there is this little implication where she, f- you can tell that she feels bad for Golda and for the loss the family has suffered, because it is a loss, even though no one's dead. And that she sort of says, like, hey, this way the girls will be taken care of and you won't have to go through again what you just went through. But she's actually nice enough and tactful enough to not really say it explicitly. Yeah. So now are people getting expelled from their homes? Yes. Everyone shows Finally. up Finally! I've been waiting this whole musical people get expelled from their homes and now it's going to happen. Oh, boy. 
Well, so, so the constable everyone, comes. Everyone shows up at Tevye's home because he's friendly. He's the one in town who's friendly with the constable. And as everyone is there, the constable shows up to talk to Tevye. Right. And is like, you all have to leave. You have three days. Um, and Tevya and the constable get a very sort of tense last scene together where basically it's like there's a sort of a sense that that like he both appreciates that he's coming to warn them, which some of the people wouldn't do. He doesn't really forgive him for sort of his role in this. Like he's like, no, you're sort of like we can't be friendly about it. It's a very good scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it works. Yeah, well, Tevya, Tevya says, you've known us all your life, you'd carry out this order. And the constable says, I have nothing to do with it. And of course, the, the townspeople are split. Some people say, let's defend ourselves. And what's interesting is, first of all, Tevya says, you know, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, essentially. And it's the rabbi who ultimately everyone says, let's start packing. Once again, if we're going to project onto it more Jewish history and culture and society is a very interesting moment where the rabbi is the town's leader and the people are looking to them and this is the call he has to make and this is the call he makes is to comply. Yeah, so everyone starts packing and we get a, uh, I'm uh, this song, I love this song. It's a great song. And it's about their village and about how it was kind of crappy, but they're going to really miss it. Can you think of another musical where, with a last song similar to this? This is the last legitimate song in the whole show. And we have this, and then we have like 10 minutes of dialogue. And then the ending is not a song, but is, is, a, is a, yeah. a not sung musical moment. Like, unless you have the leave taking as an instrumental number, this is the last song on the album. Well, you know what? You get that. You get the one last fiddle, but we'll we'll talk about that. Like you were saying, it's a weird end to a musical. It ends in a very, despite me sort of critiquing it in the past episode for being sort of like very schmaltzy. It ends on a somber note that I kind of appreciate. Well, yeah, uh, even even the end of this song, it doesn't really feel resolved. The song just kind of ends. Yeah. And the level of the, like, from like the sort of like, I don't even know if you call it staccato, but people just sort of naming things in the town back and forth. It's like chanted as much as it is sung. It feels like a mournful Jewish prayer to me. The, the way that people are trying to comfort themselves and expressing what the town is like and also talking about how much they love it at the same time, I think is really deft lyrical work. Yeah. And Ted so... is still cracking jokes. Yep. So everyone's leaving. Muttle and Seitel are going to stay in Warsaw for a little while while they raise money. Mm -hmm. um, Yenta is going to the Holy Land, which is like uh, 1905 modern day Israel. What they're going to do with like an elderly Jewish uh, woman matchmaker, Lord only knows, but I'm sure she'll be fine. Tevya and his family is going to stay with Uncle Avram, who lives in New York. I hope Uncle Avram has mm -hmm. room for literally four people in what might be his tenement. <laughs> Laser Wolf is going yeah. to stay in Chicago with his brother-in-law. They'll be neighbors. Haha. Mm -hmm. And this is what we learned so far as people are getting ready to leave and packing up their wagons. I must say... um. The resolution between Laser Wolf and Tevya is way more emotional than it should be. The production I saw, you see Laser sneak money into Tevya's cart, and I like almost started crying. Oh, it was such a good decision, like a directorial decision. Anyway, mm -hmm. 
Chava and Fiedka show up. And this yeah. is this is a moment where I'm saying it's interesting that the musical, I don't know if you would call it redeems, but ultimately treats Fiedka well, where Fiedka and Chava are leaving, we don't know for where, out of protest. And right. everyone um, is happy to see Chava except for Tevya, who pretends not to see her. But then at the very last minute, he says, and God be with you. And Seidel repeats it, and Golda tells Chava that they'll be staying with Uncle Avram, so therefore they can write to each other. So the door of communication is left open. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear uh, from we hear from Huddle that that Huddle and Perchik are doing okay in Siberia. Okay, and then is there anything left other than Tevya and Golda and his two youngest daughters leave? And the... I mean, like every line of, of dialogue is golden, but yeah. But we um, can't do that. And... I don't want to talk okay. about the movie too much, but I will say that the movie has this moment where the men of the village meet uh, to pray together one more time before literally going their separate ways on this road that diverges, and it's a very powerful moment in the film. Mm-hmm. So Tevye, the last line in the show, Tevye says, Come children, let's go. The stage begins to revolve, and Tevye begins to pull the wagon in the opposite direction. The other villagers, including the fiddler, join the circle. We've seen the fiddler every now and then, by the way. We haven't mentioned. Uh, the revolve yeah. stops. There is a last moment together, and the villagers exit at different times and in opposite directions, leaving the family on stage. Tevye begins to pull his wagon upstage, revealing the fiddler playing his theme. Tevye stops, turns, beckons to him. The fiddler tucks his violin under his arm and follows the family upstage. The curtain falls. Also, the last thing I will say about the recent Broadway production, which I just really liked, was there's a framing device where the actor playing Tevye is supposed to be a modern Jew who's gone back to the old country to see the village where his family is from and there's nothing there. Hmm. Cool. Thus, thus tying it even more explicitly to the self-satisfied American Jewish audiences watching the show. <laughs> right, but with a little bit more of like, an, of like an explicit conversation about that nostalgia, which I kind of appreciate actually a lot. It's a weird kind of cultural tourism for Jews to be like, hey, let me explore this kind of weird Jewish past. And so kind of making that explicit part of the show sounds like a really good decision. Yeah, it was. It was. Um Half halfway between when this takes place and when it came on Broadway, a little bit closer to the Broadway end, was the Shoah, the Holocaust, and the fact that Jewish audiences are always going to have that in mind and that we don't know what happens to everyone and everyone likes, you know, we've all imagined what happens to the characters and we know that Tevye's family more or less is going to be okay because they got to America, but we don't know for sure that Matal and Seitel are going to make it out of Warsaw and if, if their family ends up settling there permanently, then they're in trouble. Huddle and Perchik in Siberia, the Russian Revolution, and then followed by the Soviet Union. There's a whole bunch of stuff that could go wrong for them. We don't know where they're going to end up. Chava and Fiedka, who even knows? I mean, so so there's this big question mark at the end of the show. And even though the easiest and also maybe lazy, maybe narcissistic thing to do is say, and then Tevya moved to America, and I popped out of his head fully formed, you know, that there is also a lot of a lot of questions remaining and a sense of danger, yeah, and, that, so and that gives the show a lot of potency. I feel conflicted because on the one hand, I want to say like, well, like there's nothing in the text of the musical about the Holocaust. Like there's no reason to which is smart. frame anything in this show 
about that because it's totally unrelated. This is 1907. But I think you're right that it's obviously people's minds, especially in 19, what, 1964. Yeah. And there is a sense that, like, why is this a lost world? Like, I think just because our education, right, was so deeply intertwined, Jewish education was so deeply intertwined with the Holocaust that, like, it was inseparable from everything we knew about Jewish life does not mean that we necessarily should read too much of that into the show. Or you but can by definitely... sixty-four, that was already true. Okay, fair. I think this musical is beautiful, and whether or not it should feel capital A authentic to me, it does. And even though it's hard to extricate why and when that happened, I think the fact that it does is telling in and of itself. And if yeah, Fiddler on um, Roof has become, has become an additional book, whole Jewish holy book, then I think you could do worse. Okay, well, slow down there. I am not going to say that. But I will say that, yeah, like I started the podcast last episode with sort of like a cynicism of like, look, I'm sick of this being shoved down my throat as like this is an important Jewish thing and you have to appreciate and experience it. And it's like, no, I don't want to like it. It's schmaltzy. It's bad. But yeah, look, I have to admit to myself and to you that as we went through and we talked through the show and we talked about the songs, it still hits me on a deep emotional level, right? And you're right. It's hard to sort of separate out. It is like a cultural touchstone versus it is like a great musical. But I do think it is a very, if schmaltzy, great musical. I mean, look, it's, it's a musical, right? It's a musical from 1964. It's going to be a little schmaltzy, right? Like, we can both accept that. Sure. Um, and you could do a lot worse, right? You could do, as we discussed last episode, the show that beat it for the longest-running Broadway musical, Grease. You could be Grease. Let's put a bookmark in that because I'm going to have to read some stats. But first, you know who else loved this musical? The Tony Committee. Um, we're only, considering how many times it's been on Broadway, we're only going to talk about Tonys from the first run. Okay, it got Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical. Uh, leading actor Zero Mostel, featured actress Maria Karnalova, who played Golda. Producer, who is Harold Prince. Jerome Robbins got director. Bach and Harnick got for composer and lyricist. Jerome Robbins also got for choreography. It also got costume design Patricia Ziprod. And Boris Aronson was nominated for scenic design, and that was the only thing it didn't win for. So, in my other life, I am a journalist. And I've, I have written about Fiddler on the Roof a lot of times uh, because I feel a lot of ways about it. So here are some statistics that I worked out and published on the internet. I encourage everyone to go to Juicy.com and read this article because I'm shameless. Okay. So Fiddler on the Roof has played Broadway six times. It is tied for the fourth most revived musical on Broadway of all time. And all the shows ahead of it are older shows. If you divide the years of by number of Broadway productions, Fiddler has had the most new productions like per year. It averages a new production every eight years and eight months. Um, wow. Between all six productions, it has 21 Tony Award nominations, winning nine plus the honorary one for becoming the longest musical in Broadway history. It's currently at number 16 for that run. The mean duration mm -hmm. of these six productions is 726.5 days, and exactly half of them have run more than a year. Finally, since its first Broadway performance in 1964, what percentage of the time is it playing on Broadway? The answer is 22.82%, which is higher than the percentage of Tevye's daughters that moved to Siberia. <coughs> uh, listen, I love you. So... 
it's time to do lyrics. <laughs> I had an easier time picking least favorite lyric when so many of the lyrics are so important to me that picking a favorite was much harder. Izzy, what was your least favorite lyric? I basically cheated and picked it from the rumor. That is cheating, but I will accept it. And it was, um, like I said, funny, cheesy, haha, it's rumor spreading. But then it ends with this weird series of lines where it's like, oh, I heard that actually Gold has been arrested and Huddle's gone to Kiev. Um, and here's my line. Muddle studies dancing and Tevye's acting strange. Tevye's acting strange, yes. Sprinza, wait, Sprinza has the measles and Bilka has the mumps. What? And that's, that's what comes from men and women dancing is a good punch at the end. But fine. yeah. Yes, it's got a funny punchline, but that part is just very, uh, very dumb. I adamantly concur. I decided to go for the technical, uh, like, this isn't a great lyric, which is Little Bird, Little Havala. I don't understand what's happening today. Everything is all a blur. <laughs> Oof. Which I never really used to think of because when Topol sings it in his Israeli accent in the movie, Havala and all a blur actually sound like they should rhyme. Um, Listen, I don't think that's an Israeli accent. I think that's him really, really just like committing to this bad rhyme thing yeah, with that. Chavala and all a blur don't rhyme and it would be all a blur, not all a blur. And so the emphasis is on the wrong syllable and this isn't like you. What did you go with, Izzy, for your fave lyric? For my fave lyric, I went for, and look, I know it's mixing its metaphors. It's not actually with biblical imagery and out of nowhere we have a kind of a golem thing going on. But I do kind of love the most miraculous one of all, the out of a worthless lump of clay, God has made a man today. Oh, that's such I a like good that lyric. lyric a lot. Well, no, that's not a golem thing. That's like an Adam thing. But yeah, that's... Oh, oh, you're right. It's supposed to... Okay, that's okay. obviously supposed to be an Adam reference. I always thought it was a little golemy, but you're right. That makes a lot more sense. I almost kind of want to go with yours. I like... I had such a difficult time and... and and because I loved Tevya as a character, I ended up going with the staircase line. Um, ah. There would be one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show. Yeah, just the creativity and sort of imagining opulence and his own sense of playfulness about it. I, I just think that it's sort of all, a lot about Tevya is right there in that line. And it's just mm -hmm. such a delightful line. And then we get the imagery of it. And I am always like, where would a staircase leading nowhere? Uh, and with that? Israel. Yes. Izzy. It was way hard. I was like, oh, like Fiddler on the Roof. Everyone will be fighting over it. And everyone was like, I don't want to do Fiddler. I'm like, excuse me? Thank you so much for doing this. I love you. Is there anywhere on social media people can or should find you? Um, I have that one article about Superman I really like that I wrote for Juicy. Sure, everyone go to Juicy.com and, and search for Superman, and it's uh, why, why Superman used to be Jewish and why he's coming back. Remember how he acted when Cycle married Muttle? Well, I just heard that Muttle's been arrested for dancing at the wedding. Thanks for listening to Pick a Little, Talk a Little. We're online at paltalpodcast.weebly.com. We're on Facebook at Pick a Little, Talk a Little, and Twitter at Paltal Podcast. As always, we are edited and produced by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. She's at Twitter as WTFRJK. 
I am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. You can find me on Twitter, Gabby Gazelowitz, G-A-B-Y-G-E-S-E-L-O-W-I-T-Z. Easy. Please rate us and review us. It really would mean a lot. Email us, paltelpodcast at gmail.com if you want to say hi. All right, thanks. And until next time. And as they say in Bye Bye Birdie, Bye Bye Birdie, I'm going to miss you so. And that's what comes from men and women dancing. Okay, we can't do this for the whole show. Izzy, we could just go back and forth and just do the entire show. I have the. Well, you know what? That would be boring. I have this podcast is not called Bad Production of Pillar on the Roof over a podcast. <laughs>